0: What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Wise Decision, here with the Music History Podcast, man. We got Derek Matthews tuned in into the building right now, about to uh, see what he got going on, speak about his music history, get into a couple of projects. And yeah, about to get a couple of things going, man. So um, see what's up, man. D, what's up, man?
1: Brother. How's it going, my dude? You can hear me, right? Yeah, I can hear you clear, brother. Yes, sir. Perfect, perfect.
0: Damn, man, you got a lot on your plate, man. How's it going, man?
1: It's going really good. Uh, What's been nice is uh, I'm almost done with this fucking space boot I got on my leg. Uh, I got like four more weeks, and then I'll be out of it.
0: Yeah, man. How'd that happen? That happened during a video shoot, I remember you saying, right?
1: Yeah, so we shot the Life I Deserve video back in November. Uh, I think we shot it like over by Fountain on 525. I had these like cheap boots for like 30 bucks, and I guess they didn't allow my foot to fully extend whenever I was walking or running. So I was jogging from my truck back onto the shoot, the So I wasn't even shooting. And uh, I just felt this pop and this like burning sensation. So I guess my Achilles pulled a bone fragment off of my heel. Um, so I had to have uh, foot surgery, which didn't happen until February. So they, they got in there. They severed my Achilles, pulled out the bone fragment, shaved my heel bone back down, and then reattached my Achilles. And we had a video shoot the next week. So I had to shoot another video. With a broken foot and then um yeah i didn't get it repaired until february so it's just been a long process and i'm just over it honestly wow man yo you know what i gotta
0: respect the hustle though man because you know like they said there's blood sweat and tears involved in this and you are showing that so
1: (laughs) thanks bro (laughs) yeah i mean literal blood literal sweat and tears man
0: (laughs) (laughs) so here we go man First of all, man, thank you for coming to the music history podcast. Man, it's definitely a blessing to have someone with your talent up here, man. So I'm gonna say that first and foremost.
1: I appreciate you for having me,
0: man. Yeah, definitely, man. So um, first things first, man. Introduce yourself, man. What's your name, and why did you choose that name?
1: So um, man, without making it a long story, uh, I chose this name because it's my government name, Derek Matthews. That's actually you know what I was born with, and um, I've been rapping like, kind of unofficially since I was nine. But what happened, you know, like, whenever you're younger, you make a moniker. So, like, my first moniker was, like, Greedy Green. I was, like, 12 when I made that one. And then uh, later on, I changed it to, like, Lord Young Wavy or just Wavy. And it just became kind of, like, this character. And I always felt like when I did run into fans or people um, when I'm out at the grocery store or whatever and you get recognized, and they're like, yo, Wavy, what's up? Or Greedy, what's what's happening? You know, it kind of felt like you had to, like, snap into this character mode like oh i gotta be this rapper person now and so um I, I ended up rebranding my music and doing something more closer to my roots uh which is a transition into like a country rap uh niche and then i was just like you know if i'm getting closer to what i like and who i am as a person i was like let me get even closer by not being a character anymore and just being myself so uh, i changed my rap name to my government name
0: right right you know what you you really don't have a lot of that out here anymore i mean most people have to play a part that they're really not comfortable playing because it's not their true self you know but you have no problem with being this rapper because you are literally who the rapper is you yourself Uh, i mean to bring realness back in the game with that decision that's definitely respected right there man definitely for that one
1: yeah that's what my thing was you know i even followed uh You know, social media kind of puts everything in the forefront. And I was able to follow like that guy. His name was uh, Boont Gang, right? And he was famous for just doing crazy stuff. Like I think one video, he went to Red Lobster, pulled the lobster out of the tank and ran off with it. And it's just like, (laughs) after a while, he started doing a lot of drugs and he had those emotional outbursts on interviews or on live where he's like crying, talking about wanting to kill himself. And it's like, it's because you put yourself in this box of being this character. So now you got to keep doing this outlandish stuff and be part of a circus that you created and i was like i don't want to get trapped in something like that obviously not that extreme but you know still so that's uh you, you see it happen all the time nowadays with rappers trying to go viral and i was like you know what that's not why i do this so right. i just have to bring it back to the roots
0: right 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 man and you know i mean this coming from because i used to be an artist myself i was actually uh assigned to a label down in delaware called skills Unlimited limited productions and you know that's the reason why it didn't work with me because they wanted me to be someone I'm not. And I'm like, listen, dude, I mean, I got a great history. Why would I ruin that? You know what I mean? That could take away all that I've done for standing up for it, you know? So I pretty much respect that as well.
1: Yeah, man, so, there's only one, one of you too. That's the thing that's cool. It's like, you're already like, yo, I'm already a gold mine. I'm one of a kind. There's not another one. So for someone to try to get you to act like something else or something you're not, it's like, all right, you're diminishing even what you're trying to bring value to. So I get it.
0: You know what? I'm glad you even brought that up because I was saying that on my um on the episode I did a while back. And it's like it's so many clones out here now. Like, did you see the uh that second little dirk now that they got? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, man, I saw that.
0: <laughs> it's crazy because it's like you end up bumping into his enemy, the real enemy, and you just realize, like, oh shit, I don't have an OTF family. I don't have mm-hmm. no guns on me. I'm just by myself. That's a real 6'9 of his team over there. And now all of a sudden you, you're you at this pause state, like you don't want to be a celebrity anymore. You get me? So it's like it's too late to turn back now. You played a part. You are someone now. And yeah. it's not yourself. So that's the crazy part.
1: I think Lil' Reese and G. Herbo both said something like, what are you going to do when the ops catch you? Like what you're doing right now is dangerous. And everybody was saying that. Because I'm like, yo, Lil' Dirk is really, you know, that whole crew is really about what they talk about. So to sit there and try to portray that and not be that at all, that's how people get caught up, man. Like, I I mean, 50 Cent was talking about Pac a little while back in um, Prodigy also, and it's like both of those guys were trying to portray something they weren't necessarily in their core, which is that gangster mentality. And it's like both of them grew up in a very sophisticated education system, and they learned a lot that people from the hood would never have learned. But they still chose to be a part of that That um, that image and it caught up to him eventually you know so it's just like yeah. that happens all the time it's crazy to me man it blows my mind yeah man so listen because I
0: have like I said I mean just to let you know I subscribed as well man like I'm, I'm legit a fan not just a host of a podcast like I'm a legit Derek Matthews fan so and the song Life I Deserve right and shout out to Luke by the way because he killed that hook I'm not even gonna lie shout out to your boy Luke for that
1: I was I was stoked when he sent it back.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm tuning in. At first I thought it was you, and then I saw it was a different name, and I'm like, yo, he know how to collab because that sounded like a perfect blend, like how you guys like laid that track down was just a perfect sound. So but what exactly what what zone was you in when you was writing that song? Like what experiences in that song that you had probably been through that carried you to write such a touching song like that song came from a soul you know like it's a lot of relatability in there so what caused you to maybe come out with such a strong song with a message in it like that
1: oh man well first of all thank you for being uh for you know rocking my music and then also dissecting things that much i was like i really appreciate when someone sits down and really is listening to to what i'm saying or what's going on um that song was written in two different times uh like the first verse, I was really involved with the uh, protests going on in my city at the time, and it was during quarantine, and I had a one-year-old. You know, there's this uh, respiratory What's pandemic going around, and um, my bad, you cut off for a second. You can hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay, so what city was that
0: you said you was protesting in, and you had a one-year-old?
1: Oh, Colorado Springs. Okay. Yeah, Colorado Springs, Colorado. Um it was right around the George Floyd thing during quarantine. And so I went to the protest just cause I was like, let me go check it out. And, you know, um, obviously they're standing up for minorities and being a minority man as well. I was like, I got to see what's happening. Um, I ended up getting involved really deeply, like to where I became one of the, the leaders of the organization and helped uh, facilitate protests. We helped facilitate a bill getting passed through city council. And I had a, a one-year-old daughter and, You know, it's the middle of this pandemic with this respiratory virus going around and everyone just was acting like it was the end of the world. And so I just felt really stuck and trapped um, in my circumstances that I was currently in. And then also it just made me really reflective on what I went through. So that's where like the verse one came from. And then verse two, um, this is after the pandemic, like later that year, uh, me and my baby mama were like, you know, on and off a lot. And we ended up trying to to work things out again, and she ended up getting second or pregnant with my second child. And um, during that time, you know, I was really like pursuing music. I was going really heavy after it, and it just like felt like no matter what happened, me and her were bumping heads. Like I'm trying to elevate the family, but she wants me to be there more. So it was just this tug of war of like, you know, um, <clears throat> sacrificing quality time now in the short term for a long term gain. But at the same time, I'm missing out on the everyday it, like developments of my kids and the relationship with my woman and all this stuff. So it just was like that song, Life I Deserve, was, you know, the battle between wanting to be a successful musician and provide for my family, but then also wanting to be the family man with the white picket fence that, you know, has the two cars in the driveway, the whole American dream. And they just didn't mesh together very well. And so that song was just me saying, like, Whichever route goes down, whichever route, you know, whichever route I choose, whichever route, you know, God puts me on the path for, it's it's going to be the life I deserve at the end of it. And hopefully it's not a <laughs> messed up, uh, lonely one. <laughs> right, right, right.
0: <laughs> Damn, man. I mean, listen, it's, it's, it's like when you explain the music, right, when you explain the track. It's like now is even deeper relatability, you know, because listening to it, like you're one of them artists. If you listen to the words of those artists, you're stuck into their to their song because it's like, I hear that. I hear you. I understand you. And, you know, it's like a pull in. And for you to break down a message like that, to be honest with you, is more of a like 10 times understanding, like a 10 toes down feeling. Like that's why I like listening to your stories and your music, because you still showing like, hey, I'm still here. I'm standing strong. I'm still going to get the life I deserve. And I understand that, yo. That was a strong message, man.
1: Hey, man. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. I think it's, it's funny. It was a meme that I saw but on the internet. And it, uh, it stuck in my head. It was like a few years ago. But it said, like, what's meant for you, um, you won't miss what's meant for you. You know, and it's like, if it's for you, it's for you. You're not going to miss the opportunity. It's not going to slip through your fingers because it was built for you. You know, and I'm not a religious person. Um, but I do believe in like a bigger picture, like a grand scheme of things. And I try to make sure, even though my scope is so small, I can only see what's in front of me pretty much. I try to make sure I keep in mind, like there's something else happening and I just need to let go of the wheel sometimes. And, um, I'm going to get exactly what's supposed to come to me, whether it's good or bad as a matter of perception or in perspective. And so I just try to put that in my music as much as possible. So I appreciate you, uh, you know, catching that message, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah man.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: You're mo- you're one of those artists who uh, you know, fans will hit up in the future like, "Yo, like, you know, like you si- like like uh like uh what's his name? I think it's uh Jordan Lucas. You know how, with the ADHD with the ADHD? Yeah. You know how I mean people hit some up like, "Yo, thank you for your music. You're helping me stay on point." Like, you're one of those artists where people will be like, "I understand. I've been through that. I felt that." And Back on my feet. So remember me telling you that because in the future you're probably gonna get a lot of those exact messages, bro. Like you're a life-saving type of artist, basically.
1: Thanks, man. No, that means a lot. That that would be awesome. Cause you know, at the end of the day, that's kind of what I do it for. I used to have that dream of being like the next Drake and getting signed and all this stuff. And then it just it's not that I became practical or realistic or, or you know, just was maintaining being humble. I was just like, you know what, I don't need all that. The only thing I need is to reach somebody that was in a position I was in, and if I can help one person out with my music, then I feel like that I've done what I was trying to do. Of course, I want to help more, but I just mean like it turned into a bigger picture situation as well, to where, you know, you can make an impact and and make changes around you, and still also have the life you want. You know, you can, you can have your cake and eat it too. I used to hate that expression, bro. I'm like, what's the point of getting cake if I can't eat it? That makes no sense. Like, <laughs>
0: Hey, oh, before we even go even further, right? Because I feel within this conversation, there's like a strong relatability and a good bond. I got to confess something because at the same time, I'm a real person too. So I forgot um who put me on before this girl who used to do my hair. Uh, well, she still does do my hair. But um this girl who does my hair, I think you know her, Erica?
1: Yeah, um, I used to work for her boyfriend. So yeah, I yeah, met her yeah. a couple
0: times. So she put me on with you and everything, right? But the funny part was I already had you on um, my Spotify. So I'm like, I'm trying to think about who the hell had put me on before she was talking about you. And it's, it was ironic how it happened. That's why I said God made this happen, you know? So I'm over here and I'm like, who showed me him? And then I thought about it, I remembered. And at first I'm like, I saw the dude with the hat and the dress, country style, whatever. I didn't even hear no music. And I was like, really judging at the time because I was like really at a fucked up time too so I was like Mm -hmm. I was like really careless at the time and I was like man this dude. like but then I actually heard your songs especially the Ain't Rich the Ain't Rich freestyle and I was like yo like I had mad blood on my tongue I was like yo I deserve that because you know you can't judge a book by its cover you know you never know people until you get to know them and actually you actually did help me mentally and in a lot of ways when I listened to your music so it was like Who the fuck am I to tell someone like this talented person that he's not good enough when I wasn't even good enough to listen to you to give you the chance? You get what I'm saying? So I definitely want to admit that you definitely have proved me wrong and I accept that shit. And I'm going to let the world know and the person that I said it to know that, yeah, he kicked me in the fucking head just now, basically, because... You know,
1: thanks for being real, man. It's all good. I've been a victim of that, too. I, man... Like, there's this artist named Ritz on Strange Music. And I remember when I first, well, he was on Strange Music. When I first saw him, you know, he's a ginger dude wearing, like, Louis Vuitton sunglasses, long chain baggy pants. I was like, oh, here we go. You know, it's another wannabe <laughs> black dude. Like, he's going to be whack. I didn't he's listen so to him for years, bro. And then finally he was on a track with Tech 9 just cutting it up. And I was just like, yo, who the hell was that? And then I saw it was the ginger dude that I thought was goofy. And I was like, all right, all right. I deserve that, too, you know. And so it's just one of those things. I think everyone goes through it. You know, I still, I think I still do it on the day to day at the store, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you being honest though. That's real. That's real for real.
0: Yeah, man. Listen, man, this is the best way to be a fan, man. Especially if you know you had doubt in the artist at first. Be real with them, bro. Cause I mean, this could be a dream come true, bro. Nobody even noticed like, yo, I just spoke with that dude on my podcast. Now he's worth fucking millions. You never know, bro. (laughs) Like you got to cherish the moment, bro. You know what I'm saying? yes sir so next question bro listen so with the face tats and everything and you know how your image is and you're being yourself you know this is your choice but you know especially me speaking you you are a good person still but know how people judge by his cover which is a conversation we just had how do you feel when people look at you and how do you want them to look at your rapping image
1: man um What it sounds, I don't want it to sound jaded, because it's not, it really comes from a place of sincerity, but I don't care anymore. Um, What happened, I think, was there's a transition when I was like early 20s, like 22, 23. I'm 29 now. Um, But it just like kind of came with the territory. Like I knew what I got myself into when I had all these tattoos and I had long dreadlocks and I used to have a lot of piercings in my face and stuff. And it was just kind of like you kind of know what you're bringing to the table. There's going to be people that look at you and they're going to say, yo, I love your tattoos. I love your hair. Your image is dope, which has happened. And then there's also been people that look at me like, or like, Oh, I'm going to clutch my purse tighter. You know, I'm going to walk on the other side of the street and it just like, it doesn't bother me anymore. I don't notice it like how I used to, like I don't notice when people are staring at me anymore. Um, It's just one of those things that like, you have to accept, like if you're going to step out of you're not only your comfort zone, but the comfort zone of the people around you, like society, you're going to have to take the good with the bad and understand, like, you don't look the norm, you know, you're not doing what everyone else is doing. And some people are going to get that, and some people aren't. And you just got to take it with a grain of salt. So it's helped out a lot with my confidence, uh, even with the internet, you know, people that just comment crazy stuff. Sometimes I'm like, you know, it's cool. That's them. That's not me. That's not a that's not a reflection on who I am or my character. And if they judge me off of a photo instead of a conversation, there's nothing I can really do about that. Um, but my rap image, I, I want people to take it exactly how it looks, which is, you know, you see a um, on the surface, you know, light skinned black dude kind of dressing like a white dude, you know, with the country esque flair. It's like, I know there also is Latino cowboys, black cowboys, native cowboys, but country and cowboy esque, niche and style is always chalked up as the white, um, I guess you can say like white people dress like that or they listen to that. So I want it to be exactly what who I am, which is I'm white and black. I'm from the hood. I'm from the country. I dress the same, you know, so uh, it's really a face value. There's not too much of a deeper meaning to it or something that needs to be explained too much. Uh, but I, I do appreciate like the story you're saying that even if you did judge me at first, and then you, you listen to the music, you were still able to hear you know, the music and you're able to hear the message behind it. And that's kind of all I want. So if someone listens to my music and they're like, ah, that's not for me, that's fine. As long as they do take the time to check it out. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that's kind of, I hope I answered your question, but that's just where my thought process goes with the, the whole situation of my image and, you know, way I dress and how I am.
0: No, I definitely think you do answer the question. Perfect. And reason I answered that is because you're not the only one that I know that got like the face tats and it's not even like, you're covered in face tattoo. You know what I'm saying. There's people who like like boot gang and shit like that, but mm-hmm. you know, some of these people don't get a chance to be understood because of their image. But people is not understanding. There's a person in that image. There's a soul in that person. There's there's some existence within that image. Uh, Bruce Lee said, "Behind every true, per- uh, behind every true image, is the true person." So you can look as tough as you want, but are you really that tough? You gotta break the image down. You gotta get to know the image. So I mean I really understand that. And that's why I said people gotta at least give your music a chance. They gotta break the image down, hear you out. So and and, and this is what brings me to this question right here. How do you feel artists that don't have any messages or have nothing they're talking about in their in their music, being able to get 10 times, quadruple times more views than your music that is spreading the message? that actually can help the people that's
1: listening. That's crazy because I was thinking about this question the other day too. Um, And it's recently changed. That's what's crazy about it. Like I changed my mindset. Like at first I used to get really frustrated and like to the point where it it was uh, counterproductive. You know, I got really negative where I would let that self doubt and that imposter syndrome pop up where it's like, man, see, you're not really built for this. Like this isn't what you're supposed to be doing every time I would try to do something else, like, all right, I'm going to get nine to five or I'm going go to go back to school and get a degree and do this. Every time I tried, something happened that was like, that would tell me like, okay, that's the wrong thing. That's the wrong move. You know, you were doing what you were supposed to be doing with music. And I had to stop comparing myself um, to those around me and other people that I even look up to that do have a message, but they got more views or, you know, and I just stopped kind of judging too. Cause like, once, once you get more into, you know, you already know because you've been there, but the music industry and the music business, a lot of the times that's what it is. And so it's just a way of those record labels selling a product. And that's just the product that people want to buy at the time or that's the one that's heavily marketed at the time. And it's not a reflection of me as an artist, but I could look at uh, marketing, branding and take something from that. But, yeah, I just don't care anymore uh, right now. Like I'm actually really excited because I just became a fan of music again. Uh, recently which what i mean by that is i used to dive deep into the artists and i'd be like no nah, i don't really i don't really fuck with that dude cuz he don't really live the life that he raps about or that he sings about or whatever now i'm past that like it's just if it's a good song or if it's good music i just listen to it um if i'm a fan of the music then i'm a fan of it you know no matter what happens outside of that like the baby he had a bunch of those issues go on like with what he said on stage and it's like You know, whether you agree or not agree with what he said at Rolling Loud about, you know, AIDS and homosexuality, it's like just because I play his song doesn't mean that I'm, you know, homophobic or something. You know, it's it's not what unless it's a song about homophobia, just because I'm bumping this song and that person's homophobic doesn't mean I have to take on characteristics or what they believe in. So for me, it's the same thing as comparing myself to someone who gets millions of views and I only get a couple thousand. I've just learned to be grateful for, you know what i have and having opportunities to connect with people like how me and you are connecting right now it was all because of music um and then also on top of that i just you know i just compete with myself and i keep myself in my crosshairs so as long as i do better than i did yesterday i i feel you know 100 confident and, and uh i don't i just push all the other stuff to the side but that's recent this is a super recent mindset like you probably talked to me last month. Oh, man, I would have had a whole rant about, man, fuck that dude and fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. Um, but, yeah, I used to get really mad, man. It would make me want to quit. You know, it would make me want to stop doing what I what I love to do. And so I just had to block that out.
0: No, I, I know that. I know that feeling, man. Like, like I'm into a lot of manifesting and, like, uh, meditating, too, because, yo, A lot of people don't know, man. For artists like who haven't really put their time in, or like who's like leveling up, who really does this shit, yo, this shit is mentally, I mean, mentally destructive. Like this shit can break you down. Like you'll be fine right now, then the next minute, because you know something with music is involved, you just get a switch or something. Like you start losing control of yourself after a while. So like it's like a nerve thing. It just kicks you right in your brain, and then your body just starts reacting to it. Like it's it's weird. It's I don't know how to explain it, man. It's just music does that, though, you know. And when, when now that we're talking about that, because you could tell, like you said, um, you know, you're you're a country dude, but also I remember in your in your last interview, you, you also like lived in the sticks and everything, you know. Um, I think you was in the studio as well. Like when you, yo, dude, you're always in the studio when you having an interview. Are you in the studio <laughs> now?
1: I'm in my home studio. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Jesus, bro. <laughs> like, <you> know, <laughs> This is crazy, but, um, yeah, so when you go from that style, like how it was in the song, um, Now It's Over, like I had that nice little smooth little blend between hip-hop and country, you know, and then you go into uh, the Ain't Rich Yet freestyle, like the whole Derek Matthews energy just like literally transformed to a whole different breed. Like, like what was the statement that you were saying in that message from the big switch up? Like, what was your exact message when you came out with that?
1: Uh man. So the, to answer the, the first one, too, um, I grew up in the city of Oklahoma, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And a lot of people are familiar with Tulsa, because, or especially now because of the um, Black Wall Street and the race riots that happened. And then also we're on four, First 48 all the time for some reason.
0: Um, yes. so
1: I grew up in like the north side of Tulsa, which is I mean, like we used to pick up bullet casings off the street. And we would collect them and we try to get different calibers. But also we had to do that so that we could play tackle football because we had to play on concrete because no one would let us play in their yards. So it's like we grew up in a very like very rough neighborhood riddled with gangs and drugs and all that stuff. And I even first got my taste of gang banging and drug dealing when I was like eight because that's whenever they would bless you in and bring you in. And it's just and then we moved out to the country. I mean, like <laughs> we moved out to a spot called Sky Took, Oklahoma in the late 90s. And me and my sister were the only two black people, probably within like a 45 minute radius, like a drive on the freeway. And this was late 90s, man. So I, I learned what, you know, what a jigaboo was and what a nigger is. I didn't know what any of that shit was because I grew up around you know, a black community. So yeah, we called each other nigga and stuff, but I thought it was a term of endearment, you know, because that's, that's what I was around. So when I went out to the countryside and there's these, you know, straight up redneck, hick, white people calling me nigger, I didn't know what the hell that meant. And my mom being white and my dad being absent, she had to explain it to me. So I had to like learn what it meant to be black and be white. And I had to learn what it meant to survive in, a con- in the countryside and in the ghetto and the hood of the city. So I just try to blend that as best as I can with my music currently, and with my image and who I am. It's like being a, a biracial kid—you always are too white for the black kids and too black for the white kids. So there's this weird, like, gray area that you're stuck in, and so you don't really feel like you belong. So instead of trying to pick or choose one, which I've never belonged to a single side, um, and they make it apparent, you know, after a while, I just—I I say I'm the best of both worlds, so I, I pick both of them. And with Ain't Rich Freestyle, it was more or less like, let me go ahead and talk about what I used to do when I grew up in the hood and when I was in the ghetto. Like, I did do the gang and stuff. I did sell drugs. Like, I did that until I was 17. And I'm talking about, like, active, like, really, really active. And so it's this weird fine line that I'm sitting in the, the, the room with the city council and the mayor and the chief of police, and we're having an intelligent debate about how citizens and law enforcement need to be involved in a transparency commission but then at the same time if somebody presses me somewhere at like a bar while we're out it's like oh we can you know we can sit here and duke it out if you want to type stuff you know like i don't back down from that confrontation and it's always been a balancing act you know it's always been a balancing act uh between the two different worlds and i feel like i've been able to do it very well so ain't rich freestyle was me just dropping the veil and being like yo i'm not this isn't articulate meticulous, polite Derek anymore. This is like, y'all straight, you know, knock you out in the middle of wherever we're at. Like, you know, (laughs) whatever it is. And so that's what Ain't Rich Freestyle was. It was kind of like, I'm going to tell you about my past and where I'm really from as well at the same time as tell you where I'm going, which is like, I'm not rich yet. Like I'm not Hollywood yet. I'm not soft yet. I'm still with the people in the trenches as I've always been. And so that's kind of what that, um, the Ain't Rich Freestyle tone was was like we're still in the trenches you know I still am you know if I told people I I usually don't talk too much about my personal private life actively you know like a lot of my songs when I'm talking about uh growing up rough and growing up poor I always use past tense and I talk about like stories from back when I was younger but like even right now man like I I'm sleeping on the floor at, at my spot like I don't have a bed And everyone I talk to, they're always like, why don't you just get a bed? And I'm like, well, you know, I have money or I've had money in my hand where I can get a bed and I'd rather spend it on other stuff like my kids or studio equipment or music video, whatever. But it's really like it's a kind of a self-discipline. Like I'm choosing to make myself uncomfortable because if I can sleep on the floor and grind this hard, then once I have a bed, I'll have the life that I want to have at that time. So until I get to where I want to be, I'm not going to act like I'm there yet. I'm going to stick where I'm at. You know, I'm going to eat the ramen noodles and sleep on the floor. And every penny's going to go towards, you know, new beats or studio time or music videos. And then once I have that extra money, I'll get a bed and I'll sleep in one day and feel comfortable. So. <laughs> Yo, that's crazy, though,
0: because you're literally in that in that form of manifesting everything that you want. And you know, you're going to get it. So it's like. You're literally showing everybody, like, yo, it's possible to happen. You just got to make it happen. Like, don't put yourself in a position to be comfortable with the wrong shit, you know? Be uncomfortable for a while because when you are comfortable, you deserve that, you know? Like, that makes sense, bro. That's a strict-ass fucking damn, bro. That mindset is different, man. You don't got a lot of artists like that, bro.
1: Well, I just listen to a lot of motivational videos, you know, like Eric Thomas and Gary V and, all these guys that we all hold up on pedestals that are like business moguls now. And it's just like, you know, I was got extra money. I'd go out and get sushi or I'd go out and buy some new shoes. And I just realized, I'm like, dude, you know, I'd rather stay in the trenches and eat shit in the short term so that in the long term, I have exactly what I want. And that's what all my music is about because we grew up super poor and grew up in poverty. And it made me hungry and put a chip on my shoulder to where I got to where I am now. And so I feel like, even though now I'm better off than I used to be, than I than I am in these songs I'm talking about. Um, if I sit there and act like I am, or if I live that type of life, I'll be stuck there, just like how I was stuck in poverty back in the day. So I just, you know, I just don't change it. I just keep it going. I keep the hunger there, the fire there, and I don't think it's gonna disappear once I get a real bed. But I mean, it's still here now. If it ain't broken, don't fix it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so listen, man. Everybody got a situation where, you know, you got a homie, you got a best friend, you got a brother, someone that you can't put before, you know, anybody before. And, you know, I listen to a lot of your music because, like, it's like it's me rapping the same shit. It's like I'm listening to myself. Like, I got a best friend named Bubba and everything, you know. And, like, I'm talking about since kindergarten. I'm 31 now. I've been down with that kid since kindergarten. You're five years old in kindergarten. So that's some history.
1: Yeah, that's a long time.
0: And, you know, I noticed that you had Mikey in one of your songs that you had said that he just got home and he been down since y'all was kids. And that instantly made me think of, you know, my brothers and all that shit. Like, damn, man, I love my fam. And then I just checked out another song. Actually, last night I came across it. And um, I was actually fucking lost because I was like, Mikey's back in prison now, you said in that song. And I'm like, you know, where do that put you mentally, you know, because... Everybody got that love where they could just call someone every day and be like, oh, I know you good, or whatever, because you picked up. But you can't do that today. So how do you feel while you're trying to stay stay mentally strong on your music and strive forward?
1: Um, As far as, like, the situation with Mikey?
0: Yeah, like, him being back in and he was just home. I mean, the way that transformed so fast between tracks is like, wow, that got to mentally and emotionally fuck with you, don't it?
1: Yeah, it was quick, man. Um. He's been in and out since we were 19 and I'm 20. Like I said, we're 29 now. He's, he's like a few months older than me, but um, it, it what sucks the most is that we like, we lose touch and then we get back in touch. Cause he either transfers to a new facility or, you know, goes on lockdown for a few months or something. So I never really know what's going on with him. And like, right now we were, we lost touch recently. Uh, so I'm still waiting to hear back from him. Um, but so with Mikey, We've been, we, we just were literally in some hard times together back when we were 18, 19 and I was, uh, he wasn't, but I was addicted to drugs and stuff. And we just were like, you know, he kept me on point and I kept him on point. So we were able to kind of pull ourselves out of this hole that we were in. And, um, he's, he was a really smart dude. He just hung around like the wrong individuals and he just always wanted to help, uh, other people that are less fortunate than him, even when he didn't have nothing. So me and him just have like, you know, big dreams and big aspirations of where we wanted to be um, by the time we're this age or later on. And so it's kind of it, it kind of keeps me going at the same time It makes me sad. Like my my, my goal is whenever he gets out, I want to hand him a bag and hand him a job. As soon as he gets out, it's like, bro, you don't got to worry about nothing else. We're good. And it's like it's not even like a obligation of paying him back for everything he did for me back in the day. It's just like you know, we kind of put this plan together and just because something happened that he's not in the equation physically in the present and with me, like spiritually and, you know, during the whole thing that we set up. And so at the end of the day, it's like, y'all don't worry, take what time you got to get to where you need to be and, you know, mentally and, you know, whatever he's going through, uh, the last 10 years. And it's like, I'm going to get us to this, uh, the finish line that we talked about, and then we can keep building from there. So like, as far as, as far as mentally it's um it's tough but i i don't let myself have pity parties because i'm not the one that's locked up for the last 10 years you know i have to no matter how sad i get and how frustrated i am i'm like he's got to feel it 10 times worse and so when i talk to him and he's in good spirits and he's talking about reading new books and learning new stuff and you know what he wants to do when he gets out again and all this stuff i'm like all right well i can't be the little bitch that's crying he's not crying you know so <laughs> It helps me keep pushing, man. And um, yeah, I'm hoping he gets out. He has another parole uh, hearing up here in October and he was supposed to go to the halfway house, but some stuff happened with that. But yeah, once he's out this next time, I think it's going to be for good. And so we're just keeping a pushing and he he hears my music too. So anytime we're on the, uh, on the phone, I guess he has some system where he's at where they can listen to like Spotify or something like that. So uh, he hears the music. So he hears where we're at and where we're going and what's happening and, I update him all the time whenever we do get to talk about what's currently happening with music. So he's just, yeah, he's just there. He's encouraging, man. Um, so it's more encouragement than it is the opposite right now, which has been great. Yeah. You know what,
0: man? Cause this is going to also be on Spotify as well. So man, Mikey, if you listening, man, free you, man. Shouts out to you, man. Your brother definitely out here holding it down, man. For real, man. Hey, make sure when he gets home and you sit him down, he check in with these new projects you got coming out because I know what you're working with a broken leg up early and you got me up early. See, this is the thing. I was <laughs> I'm going to tell you because I'm not a morning person, but I was so interested to hearing everything that, like everything about Derek Matthews' story because i related to every single track and I never do that with an artist I don't know. So I had to talk to you like, listen, I gotta sit this motherfucker down. Let's talk, yo. What's what's the, what's the history? Because a lot of artists today don't got the history to match the music they talking about. But I knew you did, and it made me interested. So I'm like, let's get this man on the podcast, man, for real. But um, Thanks, yeah, man. So new projects. What's the new project you got coming out? Do you got any new projects?
1: Um. So I'm not working on like a body of work, like an EP or an LP or anything like that. I just been doing singles and the main reason why is because i'm sitting on so many tracks and i don't want to switch up the uh, you know how it goes with branding right like imagery sound it's like this image and sound i have right now is getting me a lot of traction and momentum and i don't want to switch it up too early and so i already have a lot of tracks that have a very countryist sound to it with the guitars and, and things like that so um as of right now i'm trying to get my hands on this video we shot back in November for uh, Now It's Over. So that video shot. I just need to have it edited and put out. And then I'm just working on dropping some singles. So um, every six weeks, six to eight weeks, I'm trying to at least put a song out. Um, and right now, the songs I'm working on currently, like when I'm in the studio, they're more hip-hop based. Uh, so it still has the same story and same feel, but I, it's kind of getting away from the twinginess. It's like it's going from both one side of the extreme to the other side. It's that black and white. It's that uh, from the, from the country. It's like, okay, now let me get to my, my influences on the hip hop side. And then eventually I'll come back and blend them together. So right now it's just singles and then trying to get videos out. Um, and the next video should be now it's over, uh, but that's all I've really been working on is just, I have a goal of how many songs I write a day, uh, whether they get done or get recorded or not is constantly, feel like I need to be doing something with my craft and my skill set, keeping my sword sharp. Um, so that's all I've been doing really. I know it's not like a exciting like, yo, this this date, this is gonna come out because at the end of the day, I don't really know what's coming out next. I just put it in the calendar and I'm like eight weeks from now this song will drop and then in my calendar it reminds me like today, post a photo and say your song's dropping today post a shout out video, you know, post a snippet. So I just uh, I just been go mode. It's been so fast and so much that it's hard for me to think about, like, a strategy too much. But I just feel like I'm at that point right now where, with the rebrand, with the sound and the momentum I have, is that I just need to get content out there, like, legitimate quality content and just put out as much as I can. So that's what I've been focused on.
0: Yeah, that's dope, man. That's definitely dope, man. And that's that's actually a lot of fucking work you're putting in, yo, and it's crazy. Like, do you have a whole entire team or is it just... You doing everything independent and you just like link up with a few people and do like they do their different things at
1: once. Um, it's the latter. Yeah. So like it's just me doing things on my own. And I'll link up with artists like Luke or my boy Steezy. will produce a beat here and there. You know, I, I work with uh, two dope shots whenever we do videos. So it's it's all me when it comes to everything. Um I record mix and master my own stuff. I'm learning how to make beats right now. So I've actually every day I've been making a beat trying to just like produce my own instrumentals and be more involved in my creative process. But yeah, right now it's all me. And anytime I need something done, if I can't do it myself, then I will outsource for it. But I don't have like designated people that this is your job and this is what you do. Um, And we're all in the same, you know, vehicle going to the same place. It's never really been like that one day though. One day we'll get to that point. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, man. I'm at the same shit, man. I do everything, literally everything by myself. So yeah, I understand that type of hustle,
1: man. Yeah, something to be said about being able to do that, though. You know, like a lot of people, uh, they, they can't do that or they won't do that. My thing is, like, my issue that has always been a problem, and I think most people can relate, anytime I got a lot of money, I don't have any time. You know, whether I'm working a lot or whatever it is, if I got enough money, I don't have the time. If I have a lot of time, I don't have a lot of money. So I yeah. just use the resources I can. And what's crazy is, like, the way I look at money is it's different than the norm for a lot of people. Like I, I look at it for what it is. And when you really get into the finances of the U S and what the dollar is, like you, people can deep dive into that later, but for something that literally means nothing, it's pretty difficult to get the one thing that means a lot. That's super easy to get is time. And so I just try to make sure that anything I'm doing, whether it's working or, you know i'm on my craft or i'm getting up or hanging out with my kids or whatever it is i value my time more than i value the money so that's why i've been really getting focused on learning how to make my own beats you know i make sure i record mix and master my own stuff is because i can really put the time into it i may not have the three hundred dollars to send it to a homie in nashville to have him mix and master it but i got six hours that i can mix and master my shit myself so i just spend that's where my mentality goes and until i got that money like i'm saying that have the bed, <laughs> and to have someone else mix and master my stuff, I just got to put the time in on my own. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah,
0: bro. And let me tell you something. I know 100%. You're going to make it, bro. Everything's going to be all right, man. It's definitely going to be all right for you because you're putting it too much hustle to not get nothing out of it, you, you know? You get what you put into it, bro. you putting a lot of hustle in it.
1: Thanks, man. Yeah, I said that, uh, get my cake and eat it, too. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I used to hate that saying, bro. Me and my mom used to get in an argument. like, you can't have your cake and eat it too. I'm like, that don't even make sense. So it's like, yeah, you know, you can't, especially with the, like music or, you know, whatever whatever someone's talent is or whatever their passion is, man, it's it's 100% true. If you put in the time, you put in the hours, you'll get the fruit of your labor from it. Um, now, there is something called working smarter than harder. Uh, so that's a balance. But at the same time, like, yeah, you put that time in, it's going to come. And so i just keep check, keep trekking along, you know, keep going. Yeah.
0: Yes, All right, so here we go, man. We got the celebrity guessing game, man. You ready to play?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm down, man. I'm ready. All
0: right. So if you were signed in the industry with your style and the type of message you spread, what label do you think you will be signed to?
1: Man, um... It's crazy how things change, too. So with what I'm doing right now, there's only two. And one is, like, to me, a definite. And the other one is kind of like, uh, but it would be hard to make sure it's not gimmicky. So the first one, to me, would be Slimerican. Uh That's Yellow Wolf's label. So it would definitely be Slimerican. Um, And I even say Slash, Angels, and Outlaws, because, like, Struggle Jennings is also on Slamerican technically, but then he has his own thing. So it'd be yeah. one of those two. And that would be, like, the perfect fit. The one that would be hard to make sure it's not gimmicky, but I think it would work out and something would happen would be Strange Music.
0: Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I can't picture you over there with Yellow Wolf, though, because, like, you got that, you know, that type of energy to be over there. You get know what I'm saying? But you can you know, if you want to see, that's the thing with you, though. You know how to transform it to something else whenever you want. And that's what I was talking about during the episode. So then you could bring it over to Strange Music. Uh, uh, That's pretty dope. That's
1: pretty dope. It'd be hard with Strange not to make it seem gimmicky, though. Uh, I don't know. I could just imagine, like, a black gothic cowboy style. But at the same time, it's like, I can see where that would be, like, overkill, you know? But with um, with Slimerican, man, I think that would actually be... A perfect fit. And what's crazy is, you know, we're talking about manifestation and stuff. And the short, short little story that a lot of people don't know is um during this time that I was talking about when I wrote Life I Deserve, and me and my baby mama were like going at it and not having a good time. And she's pregnant with the second kid. I used to tell her, I'm like, yo, Yellow Wolf, I was like, I'm gonna work with that man. I'm gonna work, I'm gonna get Sinus American, I'm gonna work with him. This is what's gonna happen. And so I did the. this is whenever the rebrand was happening when I was going from Lord Young Wavy to Derek Matthews. And I was about to drop the first record. Now it's over. Um, The day that I was supposed to do my rebrand was like December 3rd, 2020. I had a desk job over at the company that we talked about, Erica's boyfriend's company, Dime Bags. And I had a desk job over there. I got fired from my desk job. And then that day, 20 minutes later, I go back out into uh, the parking lot, obviously, because I'm leaving the the office and I'm calling the baby mama like, yo, I just got fired. Never been fired before in my life. And I was like, kind of like, I don't really know what I'm going to do now. So I'm going to go home. You know, I'm just going to take the day off and figure it out tomorrow. As soon as I get to my car, open my Instagram just to scroll through, Yellow Wolf pops up on my shit. He likes, follows and comments on my last post, which was. The, yo, here's my rebrand, Derek Matthews. Here's the new song, blah, blah, blah. Like, I just told everybody that knew me, here's my new image. Here's my new vision. And the day that happened, 20 minutes after getting fired, he popped up on my shit. And then it was just like, after that, the next song, Struggle Jennings follows me. The next song, Yellow Wolf's manager follows me. And it just has kept, it's just kept going. And me and Yellow Wolf has even had some, uh, some back and forth, um, you know, in the DMs, uh, we've had some private conversations and he's helped motivate me a lot to keep going and keep trekking. So it's just crazy the way the law, you know, the law of attraction and manifestation happens. You know, it just felt like months before I'm like, yo, I'm going to work with this guy who doesn't even know who I am at all. And then a couple months later, y'all are having a real conversation. So it was just uh, its a cool story. I, I don't really tell too many people about that shit.
0: Yeah, definitely. And that's that's a deep story, too, because, listen, you know, when people get fired, that that feeling sucks. You know what I'm saying? I know that shit sucks, but I've been there. So it's like, damn. But it's like it happened for a reason because it's like you see the hustle you have now. So I could definitely tell your work ethic.
1: But, yeah, I feel uh, like it was the it was a universe, man. It was like, bro, you're getting too comfortable. You know, you're making some good money, you're eating good, but this isn't what you you're supposed to be doing. Like this isn't what you even want to do. So I think it was, you know, the universe being like, We're gonna close this door because you <laughs> you're doing <coughs> Check them out of here.
0: Yeah, it's over. I mean, but you know, their energy, the outcome of your energy, sometimes you don't even realize what you're doing, and it's like you give that to the universe, and the universe feed it back to everybody else who see it. And you know, business is business, so it's like they gotta protect the business at the same time. It's nothing to do with friendship, nothing personal. Maybe you gotta bring your strong motivation and energy somewhere else, and you did because that day, 20 minutes later, look what the universe gave you back in return. They're like, here you go. This what you're supposed to be doing so i'll get that all right next question so if you had an industry wife who would your industry wife be
1: an industry wife uh you talking about like music industry specifically or just like a celebrity wife you know what
0: let's yeah let's turn it up who would your celebrity wife be
1: all right um so it's funny as hell because i don't think she's big right now but her name's nikita and she just started wrestling in WWE. I guess it's NXT. It's on Tuesdays. I didn't know nothing about wrestling in the last like ten years. I haven't watched it, maybe more. And she just popped up on my Instagram. Her name's Nikita. Oh my god, bro! Like, <laughs> if they are like, you know, once I get that bag and I get that tax bracket where you can talk to someone that's in that tax bracket, she's the first one I'm going to. First hey, one. You go. You gonna
0: feature yourself on the. Uh... On the episode of wrestling, you got to wrestle to get there. You're gonna go through
1: it. Oh yeah, man! I'll come out. We can do a whole fucking uh, what is it? Hell in the cell, cage match. I'm with <laughs> it, bro. I'll do whatever I gotta do. She's bad, man. Um, but yeah, she's definitely my current crush. I don't think I have like a an overall like all time like this is actually I do, but my bad. So yeah, it'd be Nikita. <laughs> but if I was shooting for the stars and the moon, shh, Rihanna, bro, Rihanna without a doubt. <laughs>
0: You want to know what's crazy? Rihanna looked at Rihanna, was still very good looking, even while you know, not to sound crazy, or whatever. Because, like, I looked at my baby mom while she was pregnant, and she was very good looking, like a very good looking pregnant woman. Rihanna mm-hmm. did not change it being pregnant, like, she made pregnant look so good, bro. And I was like, wow, like, out of all people, Rihanna did look real good while she was pregnant, bro.
1: Oh, for sure, for sure. I was just like, she don't miss, <laughs> <laughs> you don't miss. Funny too is I feel like ASAP Rocky's about to drop the whole opportunity he has, man. It just seems like every other week there's something going on with that. Or maybe that's just, you know, the world trying to mess up a good thing. I don't know. But yeah, man, Rihanna would be my like Disneyland stars align. <laughs> if you have one wish <laughs> in the world, like, oh, it's Rihanna. All right, bro.
0: Last question. We're going to be able to wrap this on up. So. 10 years from now, what do you think you will be able to tell your kids about your music 10 years from now? Do you think it will still be able to, to be able to stick with the music and a change of it, or would it fade away behind all this new change up in music?
1: Um, let's see. I think the for me personally, the message that I have in my music is timeless. So I think there's a lot of lessons or meanings and the message itself is going to age very well. But I feel like I haven't hit my like my best yet. You know what I'm saying? So like um when you look at certain artists that are out now, there is that music where you're like, "Yo, that sounds timeless." Like it's never going to it's never going to change, you know? And it's one of those things where some artists put out timeless music more often than others. Like Michael Jackson, like almost every other record is Like, okay, that's a timeless album or timeless, you know, song, timeless album. For me, I feel like the message I have is timeless. I think it's always going to have meaning. Just the way that it's dissected might be a little bit different because of the style that that it's in or what I'm saying. I just don't think I've made that like my best yet. So, um, yeah, it's kind of like a half and half. Like, yeah, I think the message is going to age great and it's still going to be relevant, but maybe the sound I'm using now or the style I'm doing it in, that's going to probably fall out of love Um, just because I haven't done it yet. I just haven't made that timeless piece of music yet. I haven't made that record that you're like, yo, that's it. you know. And I also, that's why I got more involved with the production side of it because I feel like if I get more into what sounds I want and what instruments need to play where, and I can compose my own stuff and produce my own stuff more hands-on, I can capture that sound that's gonna be my best and be and be timeless overall. So yeah. Hopefully my you said my kids, hopefully my kids like my music until I'm their dad and they wanna, you know, <laughs> if they don't wanna <laughs> my dreams, that'll be tight. <laughs> the
0: reason I asked that, because I know it's kind of random that I said that, but you know, a lot of artists don't get questioned that. Like, listen, what do you think your kids will say 10 years from now when they're listening to your music? Will they still ride around with their friends playing it? Or do you think your music will fade? Because, like, you know, the newer generation is changing the fucking game so much. Like, it's completely fading away from where we was brought up from. Like, I listen to a lot of KRS-One or Pat Pulse or Big L. Like, I, no, I've seen the game from back then, you know? And it's like, to where's that now? And it's like, everybody is behind a machine everybody's auto-tuned or or fucked up or you know it's always it's, it's it's far off of where we was at so well
1: that's the thing man you know uh we went from drug pushers to the drug doers like if you think about it now i think future and his most recent album says something like i'm a rich junkie and i was just like what you know like even when rum dmc and then we're coming out they there talking about being the dope dealers like you didn't want to be the dope heads you wanted to be the dope dealers now everyone acts like they want to be the dope head and it's uh i think it's weird the way things transition and the way things go but i I look at it like this i remember when run dmc so run had his own reality tv show and then his son um jay simmons right he was really he was really out there making music i think at the end of the day the message that run and run dmc had in their music uh Jay Simmons or whatever his name is. I forget his damn name. It's not popping up in my head right now. But he was like, he was famous, right? For a little while. We thought he was gonna do something. I don't think he's bumping that music in his car to his homies. That's not what he's riding around to. But I'm sure that he holds his father's music to a certain pedestal, a certain level, being like, All right, this tells the story of where my dad's from, where I'm from, you know, where we came from, where we grew up for it. Like, here's the history. But the style that Run DMC Music was in by the time he started doing stuff probably was not popular. So he probably wasn't bumping it. I think that's what was happening to mine is that I think my kids can hear the history of like, all right, this is where our family comes from. And this is going to tell the story of how we got to where we are now and, you know, where the torch got passed. And now my kids are going to take the torch and go build their own life and keep moving forward. But the song itself, the style, based on how you're saying, like music changes so much it may not be relevant anymore to where it's like, yeah, I'm not listening to that old stuff like (laughs) that. You know what I mean? But then you got like, like, see, cause look, look at
0: Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne, like, see, here's the thing. You got, you still got people that's rappers. You got actors. And then you got legends. And you got some legends that's still in the game around all of them and still being able to push. And I feel like, Like, you could be one of those artists like, okay, this is where the game has changed to. I got something for you in that style. Or this is where we at. got something for you in that style. So I feel like maybe in the future, maybe your kids still can be able to play your music with their their friends and riding around, you know? And that would be dope, too, because they're like, yo, that's your dad? Yeah, that's my dad. You know what I'm saying? That's pretty dope. So that's a style that I think you actually have. So, I mean, I think you'll
1: make it through. Yeah, I'm hoping so, too. But you gotta remember the whole thing with the legend still being active. That's new. You know what I'm saying? Like, back when Lil Wayne was 28 and he dropped the Carter 3, they I remember they literally said, this man's too old. He's not gonna go anywhere. He's not gonna do nothing. The record's not gonna do well. And then it was like, you know, he turned 32. They're like, oh, the Carter 4 is not gonna do well. It's like they always say that shit. You know, like Jay-Z being 50+, plus, Eminem being 50+, plus, E-40, you know, dropping an album a few years ago. It's like, that was unheard of in hip-hop. There was a expiration date and then now that envelope's being pushed constantly and it's um i think it's starting to get to people where they're realizing like you don't have to be you know this nba young boy who blows up at 18 anymore you can blow up at 35 like two chains or you know 29 like eminem it's like you have time now and you don't necessarily have to retire and until you want to uh, for a lot of these guys, so yeah, I mean, I'm hoping I can be in you know another 30 years in the game or 20 years in the game, and uh, do a lot more than I'm doing now. But it's it's just one of those things where time will tell. I think the gas will run out of the car when it's supposed to, and you know another another thing will pop up. You know, it's like uh, I'm really big into business and investing and learning around that too. So maybe it turns into a you know I take it as far as I can with my music, and then I set up a Nonprofit or like a, a mental STEM center, mainly for music for other kids, and I find that that next person that's gonna do more than I did. So, right,
0: right, all right, man, yo, man, listen, bro, a hundred percent, man, it's definitely been one hundred percent a blessing, bro, for you to stop by and give us some of your time and learn some more about you, man. I mean, this this been an excited, actually, this been the most excited episode I have since I opened this shit back up, so. I mean, I just want to let you know, thank you. God bless for everything. And uh, if you got any anything you want to promote, any clothing brand or any platforms you want everybody to go follow on, because we are being listened to in four countries. Uh, we got Canada, we got uh, Sweden, we got the UK, and we got America. So <laughs> make wow. sure. Wow.
1: You- oh, yeah, man. Right. Yo, well, thank you for having me, bro. I really do appreciate it. And it's just, it's cool to sit there and connect with somebody um, on a deeper level than not only surface, but also music, but like just knowing the catalyst was this, this has happened, you know, this in, interaction has happened because we were able to create something from nothing. You know what I'm saying? You created your platform from just an idea. I created these songs from just an idea and now we're able to come together and actually have a legitimate connection. So I appreciate that hundred um, percent. The only thing right now is the tombstone record is now out on all digital streaming platforms. It's called tombstone. Uh, anyone can look it up. I use my name Derek Matthews. That's it. That's that's it's the only thing I'm promoting right now is that new record. I want I want to know what people think of that one. So yeah if they can go there and then you know drop a comment or follow me on social media. It's Derek Matthews official. But Yeah. Tombstone's out right now.
0: Nah I heard it last night. That's why you you heard me ask you about it today. I'm like oh he dropped what that shit is fire bro. I fuck with Tombstone man for real. That shit's fire.
1: Thanks, man. I appreciate it for real. It's one of my favorite movies too. That's what and we've been to Tombstone, Arizona a lot. So that's why I was like, you know what? We gotta (laughs) we gotta put that in there somewhere. So Yeah, man. Don't be surprised one day I hit you
0: up for a feature, man. I still got it myself, man.
1: Oh, I'm down. I'm always down to work, man. So I'm down to do whatever you got going on. Keep me in mind.
0: I bet. Alright y'all man We are officially out of our time man Appreciate it for Derek Matthews coming through man This is the Music History Podcast We are officially out of here
1: Thank you bro I appreciate it
0: Yo yo what's going on people It's your boy Wise Decision here with the Music History Podcast And I just want to tune in and let y'all know For those who want to be able to leave a voice message, try to get a feature going with Derek Matthews, or be able to get they self up here and promote they self with their music or be able to promote they self with their projects they got coming out, just click on the message link right there in the description and we'll be able to get you up here and I'll click back. Just click the description. Just click the link right there in the description and we'll be able to get you up here as soon as possible, man. But once again, appreciate for those who's following up and y'all be able to stay tuned with your boy on Music History. Peace.